Aloha and welcome to Conversations to Enlighten and Heal. Today, my very special guest is alchemical healer and author Nikki Scully. Nikki has been teaching healing, shamanic arts, and the Egyptian mysteries since 1983. During her first visit to Egypt with the Grateful Dead in 1978, Nikki experienced an epiphany that transformed her life. She deepened her focus on healing and began delving into the hidden shamanic arts of Egypt. She is now a lineage holder in the hermetic tradition of Thoth, her teacher and mentor. With Thoth, she developed alchemical healing, a comprehensive healing form that is practiced by thousands of practitioners internationally. In the late 80s, Nikki founded Shamanic Journeys and continues to guide inner journeys and spiritual pilgrimages to Egypt and other sacred sites. Nikki lives in Eugene, Oregon, where she maintains a healing and shamanic consulting practice. She welcomes people to study with her in her beautiful garden center. Nikki's most recent books are The Anubis Oracle, A Journey into the Shamanic Mysteries of Egypt and Shamanic Mysteries of Egypt, Awakening the Healing Power of the Heart, both co-authored with Linda Starr-Wolf and illustrated by Chris Walder. She is the author of Alchemical Healing, a Guide to Spiritual, Physical, and Transformational Medicine and Power Animal Meditations, Shamanic Journeys with Your Spirit Allies. Nikki has also produced a number of CDs, including Awakening the Cobra and Journey for Healing with Kuan Yin, numerous articles and audio cassettes, and a DVD. Nikki experienced the healer's initiation of healing 15 years ago when she underwent treatment for cancer. She now offers a free phone bridge for healing cancer, a powerful group healing event. The ceremony of healing has been recorded and can be accessed through Nikki's new Alchemical Healing DVD. A recording of previously held bridges for healing cancer are available for listening on Nikki's podcast page on her website. Free Alchemical Healing Circles are held the first Wednesday of each month in Eugene, Oregon. Please email the office through the Shamanic Journeys website for more information. In Nikki's own words, what it's about is turning magic into science and still keep the mystery. To learn more about Nikki and her work as an alchemical healer, author, and spiritual teacher, please visit her website at shamanicjourneys.com. That's shamanic, S-H-A-M-A-N-I-C, journeys, J-O-U-R-N-E-Y-S, dot com. If you're ready to learn about the ancient mysteries of Egypt and alchemical healing, then listen up, because today's show is for you. Please welcome to the show my very special guest, alchemical healer, author, and spiritual teacher, Nikki Scully. Welcome to the show, Nikki. I love having you with us and am thrilled to have you share your powerful wisdom and insights with our listeners. Thank you so much, and thank you for that comprehensive introduction. (laughs) Yes. Well, tell us something about the epiphany you experienced when you first visited Egypt in 1978 that transformed your life, Nikki. Well, any experience, any time somebody goes to Egypt, particularly for the first time, they're bound to have at least one, if not numerous, epiphanies. There is something about Egypt that 
consciousness expanding in that there is synchronicity at every turn there is wonder there is magic there is mystery there every time you go to a monument or as with happened to me in climbing the great pyramid and sitting atop it to watch the sunrise this sense of awe at the potential of humans to touch spirit in such a way that monuments such as those in Egypt can be co-created. And I say co-created intentionally because I don't think it would have been possible for humans to create what they did in Egypt without a strong and viable relationship with the spirit world. Mm. And I wanted to understand more. Oh, that's beautiful. I guess the first part of the epiphany was, oh my goodness, I need to come back here as soon as I can. Mm -hmm. And I was back three weeks later and uh, have been going back ever since. I I took a 10-year hiatus between 1979 and 1989 Mm -hmm. where I changed my life and began to study healing seriously mm-hmm. and got my basic connections to the Egyptian pantheon. Mm-hmm. So when I returned in 1989 with a group of 17 intrepid pilgrims, <laughs> um, everything just opened up for us in ways we couldn't have imagined. Mm-hmm. And it's been like that ever since. Mm-hmm. Just a, a banquet, a feast of knowledge and experience mm-hmm. comes through every time. Mm-hmm. Well, what is alchemical healing, Mickey? <clears throat> well, alchemical healing is a is a healing form that um, is very empowering to the practitioner as well as to the person who is receiving the benefits of the healing. Um, it's based in a relationship well for me with Thoth the Egyptian god of wisdom Mm -hmm. who helped direct the development and consequent writing of the the book which is really my life work Mm -hmm. in a sense Although yes, I've it's very comprehensive, <laughs> the alchemical healing is. And it, it actually, um, I was taught a lot, almost all the basic principles by my first teacher when I decided, when it became apparent to me in Egypt that I was to become a healer and that I needed to study in order to develop myself. The first thing I studied was Reiki. Mm-hmm. And I embraced that quite enthusiastically back in 1981 when I first encountered Reiki. It was not yet a household word by any means. And so it was very new, and I was very enthusiastic about this recognition that what I had been feeling in my hands and was, it was okay. It's like, in a sense being authorized to do what comes naturally mm-hmm. and to remember that we have this capacity 
to generate the universal life force to allow it to move through us. Mm -hmm. Well, as uh, from there I went to the study of Huna with a teacher who had studied Hawaiian Huna and the Egyptian mysteries and kind of combined them. Mm-hmm. And it was through Nadja that I connected with Thoth and began my real studies. Mm-hmm. However, when, as I look at alchemical healing, it's very important to honor that the the work was given by transmission mm-hmm. and it, it required at that time a physical teacher mm-hmm. who was Nadia Eagles mm-hmm. um, and then it was through that that I became acquainted with the spirit world in ways that uh, I have found these great teachers mm-hmm. that uh, continued the work of guiding and mentoring me mm-hmm. and have continued to uh, assist me and direct me in my life mm-hmm. in ways that I just couldn't have imagined and before I encountered this work. Mm-hmm. So you know, most of your, the transmissions for you happen through clear knowing, it sounds like. Um, actually, initially, they were directed by my teacher yes. um, through guided visualizations, mm-hmm. which was very interesting because I'm not a seer. Mm-hmm. Most of the people that I teach are uh, have the capacity to imagine or perceive through their inner senses quite readily, mm-hmm. whereas it was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. So I would be studying with this teacher who's taught primarily through uh, guided visualization, and you know, I everybody'd come back with these great, colorful stories, and I'd be lucky. You know, I considered it a, a, a great boon if I could see a color. I remember one time going, "Well, you know, I got to at least see the color blue," mm-hmm. and somebody said, "Well, it all comes out of the blue anyway." But I guess I didn't really describe what alchemical healing is. I I said how I came to it, but how I derived the name was alchemy in Arabic. If you parse it out, it would mean from the land of Egypt. Mm -hmm. Um, Chem or Kemet was an ancient word for the black land, the fecund earth mm-hmm. along the river that nourished the people of Egypt, which mm-hmm. was a miracle because it almost never rains there. Mm-hmm. And so all the water uh, all the yeah, all the water comes from the Nile mm-hmm. and all the land was nourished through the flood and then brought forth the the food for the people. Mm-hmm. And we're all alchemists. I mean the very act of eating and digesting food and turning it into our energy and our <clears throat> bulk and the waste products that come from us, that's alchemy. Mm-hmm. That is <clears throat> turning the base material, transforming it into something totally different and useful. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that prime material 
material that all alchemical procedures are based in is the matter mm-hmm. as in and what is the matter with you or what is the matter with me what is the, that which needs to be transformed mm-hmm. and the process by which that transformation happens is alchemy mm-hmm. and so this form is directed at healing how we can heal ourselves how can how we can heal one another and yet it's not really confined to that mm-hmm. it's also a way of transforming our lives and transforming all the situations in our lives mm-hmm. and mm, empowering ourselves to truly co-create mm-hmm. not only our individual future but as we recognize that the principles of alchemical healing are the principles of creation and if we live by them we can learn to consciously co-create yes yeah um, yes and enjoin with the collective to help us evolve or i would say more at this time mutate mm-hmm. in order to adapt to what yes. we've created on the planet and to you know, make it across this chasm of yes. challenges. And into. I have been seeing that. I have to say, I have been seeing this chasm. <laughs> That's exactly like we've uh, we've come to this chasm, and it's like, how do we cross over? And sometimes I feel like I have crossed over, and then I'm back here. And <laughs> I don't know if you, maybe you're always in it, but well, I feel actually, like I go back, I go in and out. Yeah. And we always will. It's uh, okay, a so of that's okay. With that. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I, mean, I keep thinking that I'm supposed to make it over and stay there. So. No, I think where we're supposed to make it to is being fully present. Mm-hmm. Because when we're fully present, then all possibilities become available to us in that present moment because it's all there simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for us to hold that space. Mm-hmm. And we're learning it, mm-hmm. and it it's it's a space of perfect balance and equilibrium mm-hmm. where we stand in that place of being lightning rods for mm-hmm. spirit in the material world, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and standing consciously in that junction between spirit and matter. Mm-hmm. Because alchemy is ultimately the spiritualization of matter. Yes. It's yes, bringing it is. the intelligence into the dense mm-hmm. formation of matter. Mm-hmm. And that is our destiny. And it's, uh, uh, we become more and more dense and contracted as we have gone through this very uh, materialistic time mm-hmm. in our evolutionary process on the planet. Mm-hmm. We've taken materialism as far as we can pretty much without destroying ourselves Mm -hmm. so we have to uh, expand to allow intelligence in Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. to this dense contracted space Mm -hmm. and literally wake up Mm -hmm. and remember ourselves Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your language is beautiful so Um, so what are the, could you describe the stages of alchemy? 
Um, I could. I could describe the seven stages of, you know, classical alchemy, but I think at this point the basic principles mm-hmm. of, alchem- of alchemical healing would be more to the point. Okay. Because um, I don't think we need to parse it out so fully to mm, comprehend what we need to know to see life alchemically. Yes. So the principles, the four principles of alchemical healing, mm-hmm. the first one is is each of us entering any process of creation, mm-hmm. not necessarily healing, um, brings to that uh, the skill and experience of your life. Mm-hmm. Everything that you have done up to this moment is useful. Mm-hmm. And to acknowledge and honor what you bring to the table as uh, one quarter of, you know, one of four equal principles. Mm-hmm. And that's very empowering to recognize that from where you sit, no matter how old you are, no matter how much you've done in your life, it you are bringing skill to the table. Mm-hmm. It all counts. It all counts. And it all becomes accessible and useful mm-hmm. in the creative process. <clears throat> the second principle is your relationship with others. And mm-hmm. primarily in alchemical healing, we're speaking of the spirit world. However, all relationships count too because we all know what we know, and we also know what we don't know. So your doctors, your herbalists, those resources mm-hmm. in the real physical world are useful because you don't have to take the time to learn everything. But to take it further in alchemical healing, it's all accessible in the spirit world. Mm-hmm. If you want a plant, if you uh, need a medicinal herb for healing, you can simply call on it. Yes. And the spirit is there for you, and you can apply it into the healing. Mm-hmm. So the relationships you make in the spirit world, whether it's deities of any pantheon, whether it's plant spirit medicines, where it's totem allies that are accessible to bring their gifts into the work of creation or healing mm-hmm. that you're doing, those relationships account for uh, one quarter of the four principles. Mm-hmm. The third principle, and the one that is often neglected, particularly in healing, is the magic and the mystery, the divine intervention that is inexplicable. Mm-hmm. It's what happens when miracles happen, mm-hmm. and they happen all the time. And Is it, it something like grace? Well, actually, yes. <laughs> it's a lot like grace. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yet, 
don't honor and hold space for that in our healing work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in in Western medicine, well, it's very scientifically and physically oriented. Mm-hmm. However, having been through cancer mm-hmm. and made relationships with the doctors I was working with, most of them seem to know that they don't know a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> about why certain things happen. Mm-hmm. And those that are really, you know, good, uh, well, I won't say good. I mean, you can be very good and efficient and not have this perspective, but I've, I've, I find it interesting when I encounter those in the medical profession that recognize, for example, how much one's attitude has to do with their healing ability. Yes. And how um, things can happen spontaneously that they can't explain. Mm-hmm. What alchemical healing does is hold that as a principle mm-hmm. and hold space for that to happen. Mm-hmm the unimaginable, that which is beyond anything that you could imagine. Mm -hmm. So you bring your skill into the healing. You invite the allies to come and assist you in the healing. And then you hold space for beyond anything that you can know Mm -hmm. to come in and work its magic. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth principle is gratitude. Mm-hmm. appreciation that honoring of all the forces and beings that and elements even that came to assist you in the healing work mm-hmm. or in the creative process that you're engaged in oh that's beautiful thank you so much for sharing that that's very clear and, and simple you know I think people can really re- to relate to all of those. So what called you to first travel to Egypt, Nikki? <laughs> uh, I was part of the Grateful Dead family, mm-hmm. and in the spring of 1978, when we got word that the contracts were signed, that indeed there were going to be three uh, concerts at the Great Pyramid, mm-hmm. um, in September of that year, I knew I had to go. I didn't know why. I didn't know anything about Egypt, but the call was so strong, mm-hmm. and I was just so literally gifted to be able to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's was a major pivotal point in my life. And but it was, a, and it was a great. Welcome home party. I didn't realize it till many, many, many years later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was a great party. It was two weeks of just absolute freedom uh, for all of us who were lucky enough to participate mm-hmm. and be there mm-hmm. for those concerts and the preparations leading up to them. Mm-hmm. That was exciting. That was, sounds like such an exciting time. It was remarkable. They just actually put out an album 
uh, for the 30 year anniversary, they put out an album of those shows. Oh, wow! And uh, with a, a short video of uh, some of the family, you know, mm-hmm. cruising down the Nile. Oh, wow! That's that's really neat. Yeah, it was really fun to revisit it that way. (laughs) So how did you come to offer Sacred Journeys to Egypt? What was the inspiration? Was there something that... Because I had to go back. Mm -hmm. Because I had gone four times. You know, I went in September of 78. And then I went back again and took... um, one of my daughters in the following year in September of 79 and then I knew by then that I needed to go home and study mm-hmm. and I didn't realize I would be studying Egypt at that time and mm-hmm. sort of went through a back door mm-hmm. uh, studying Hawaiian healing and winding up in Egypt but by the time I started taking groups in 1989 I had already begun to develop uh, deep relationships with the pantheon of Egypt Mm -hmm. and just had to go Mm -hmm. and see where it all came from. I had not, I had made a cursory trip through Egypt and, but I I was ready for more. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then when I returned in 89, I brought 17 people with me and That's a good number. It was amazing. We had such a remarkable adventure and learned so much that it just became something I did. And before I knew it, it was an incorporated business. And Mm -hmm. I was not only bringing tour groups, but setting up tours for others. Sounds like you were in a whole process of it was planning you during Uh, all those years. (laughs) Yeah, it it has felt like that more than once. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what was your rite of passage into the world of alchemical healing? LSD. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so, 1964. Uh-huh. And what happened was um, I was living in New York. I, was, I turned 21 living in New mm-hmm. York. I was working at Memorial Sloan Kettering and I had a really good job but I met some people through a cousin of mine that were into psychedelics mm-hmm. and that was really at a pioneering time mm-hmm. and I became fascinated with the idea but I was far too conservative to jump into it without mm-hmm. some studies. So I read every book I could read at the find at the time and then went and found someone to turn me on. Moved back to California. Mm-hmm. Went up to Berkeley and found somebody to turn me on and that was the next real major no, that was the first major pivotal experience in my life. Mm-hmm. Long before I went to Egypt. Mm-hmm. But it was through the visionary experiences that I had while, in a sense, pioneering the psychedelic experience and then being part of that family, the Grateful Dead family, and the music that was that at the center of that cauldron of psychedelic magic, mm-hmm. 
in the 60s and 70s that I had the experiences of recognizing the energy and the potential of healing Mm -hmm. without the realization that it was okay. You know, that was always held to be the province of special people. Mm -hmm. And of course, I knew darn well I was not a special person. (laughs) So therefore, I wasn't sure what to do with that Mm -hmm. as I realized that that was an innate capacity that I had. Mm -hmm. But I realized it through the psychedelic experience. Mm -hmm. Then after going to Egypt and being directed to seriously study healing and through my work with the Sacred Pipe, which was another the Native American journey that I uh, took that I guess I'm still taking (laughs) Um, the that I came to understand that this these things that I was learning through those visionary experiences Mm -hmm. needed to get to people in a safe way Mm -hmm. in a a way that could be honored and acknowledged and recognizing as simply a remembrance of who we are mm-hmm. and who we've mm-hmm. always been. Mm-hmm. So you were awakened to an alternate reality. Oh, yes. <laughs> but there had to be, there was a lengthy process of merging that alternate reality with the reality that we exist with with especially when the the with the pressures of our government and the mores of our culture against mm-hmm. the use of sacraments or even the lack of understanding mm-hmm. of the concept of sacraments mm-hmm. and so my intention was to find a way to be able to share what I learned in ways that didn't require anything that could be considered illegal or dangerous. Yes, yes. So that was quite challenging, I would imagine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's interesting. As I look back, I don't know. I mean, I can't say when I was able to articulate Mm -hmm. that that that's what I was doing, mm-hmm. but uh, for some time I have, you know, like decades, I have realized that that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that can be the way I've ha- I know what you're talking about. You know, when I when I become aware of, oh, that's what I've been doing. Right. <laughs> that's what's been coming through me. You know, and being able to have that insight. So what called your spirit to take on the mantle of teaching, Nikki? It seems as though my life, and I would guess that my life isn't that extraordinary, so I'd say most of our lives uh, are a result of the consequence of commitments that we make. Mm-hmm. So when I in the early 70s was given, gifted, and took responsible for 
uh, the sacred chinoop or sacred pipe, then the result of that, of committing to that, uh, delineated an avenue of experience and learning that caused me to be very aware of what I asked for, what I prayed for, what I committed to, Mm -hmm. and put me in a position to observe over years of ritual and focus how those commitments changed, Mm -hmm. how the first one might have been a commitment to achieving some kind of clarity about who I am and where I'm going, which led me to a commitment to become a healer insofar as I could, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to follow that course mm-hmm. and see where it took me, which naturally took me to a point at some point of where I would realize that I had taken so much in that I had to turn around and give that back out. Mm-hmm. But of course, first it had to digest in me, be integrated within me to come out in a fresh new way that seemed to be worth teaching. Mm-hmm. Well, that really comes through in your language. You have very, you know, do you see clear images now? I mean, are you able to visualize now? Com- yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because you have very poetic knower. language, you know. Well. That's because my teacher is Thoth, mm-hmm. and he is the articulator. Mm-hmm. He's the god of communication. Mm-hmm. So even though my relationship with him may have been based in third-party communications, which is great because it allowed me to share my process with whoever I was with at the time, mm-hmm. whether it be a class or my husband or someone else in my lineage, through I I've not brought any of these teachings in by myself, mm-hmm. so I don't own them. Mm-hmm. I can totally relate part. to what you're saying. <laughs> and then um, the next commitment became writing. Well, that mm-hmm. was probably the most difficult of all. I mean, just ask my mother, you know, to get me to write a thank you note was like pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. I didn't like to write. When I went to college, I chose classes that didn't have blue book because I was so intimidated by writing. Wow, that's hard to imagine because you pre- you're pretty prolific as a writer. I, I, I would say, you know, proud of those five books, so. but I didn't begin that process till I was well, let's see, forty, fifty. Wait, I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna kill the years. I'm sixty-five now. Wow, I can't believe that. You see much your energy is much younger than that. So I was in my late forties before my first book came out. Mhm. Right. My first book came out well, the first book came out before that, it's part of an anthology, but my first, you know, like major book accomplishment was in nineteen ninety one. Mhm. So I was forty eight. Mhm. Well, you write beautifully, and it's Thank very you. clear. Your message is very, you're, you're a wonderful messenger for spirit. You're a very clear channel. So it's obvious you've had a lot of preparation and been very dedicated to the whole process. 
and there's been a lot of grace. <laughs> there always is. There a lot always of divine is. intervention. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So could you please um, share something about your own initiation and journey to your teacher thoughts? Um, well, having, um, let's see, I first met Thoth directly in probably about 84. I was already teaching Huna mm-hmm. um, that authority had been given to me by transmission from my teacher, and I was teaching her work. I was the first person to teach her work. And... Then it was time for me to be given the transmission transmissions to teach the more advanced work, and that included a journey to a council of the Egyptian pantheon, one of which who would step forward, and that would be my mentor and guide. And neither I nor my teacher knew who was that who that was going to be, mm-hmm. and I was very concerned because I don't generally see, so I didn't know how I was going to be able to bring back this information and know who it was, but it was very, very clear when it came time for that person to step forward or that being, I saw a belt buckle in front of me at about my head height, and I had to look way up, and I could just see towering above me this... uh, Beak, this curved beak, and I recognized Thoth, although I didn't know him. I certainly knew pictures of him because he's one of the most important deities of, of the Egyptian pantheon. Mm-hmm. And um, it was interesting because I, having a view of a deity like that, it's impossible to have a relationship when there's that much disparity in power. It was though I was this little being and he mm-hmm. was this great big God. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to bring that together. And so one of the first things that I learned was that in order to commune, whether it's with totems or plants or gods, mm-hmm. It's eye to eye and heart to heart, mm-hmm. and only from that place can you really begin to build these relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's true, whether you're in the physical world or the spirit world. But we just, you know, we just take our relationships so for granted in our culture that we often miss that part, and so we a lot of our relationships lack that kind of depth Mm -hmm. and the first thing that Thoth taught me the first thing I learned was the animal totem work that Mm -hmm. became the golden cauldron which then ultimately became power animal meditations Mm -hmm. so um, the Egyptian deities are archetypal patterns represented in our own collective unconscious and, yes, and as such, perfect. are still very much alive today, right? And yes, and it's it's really interesting because there is a paradox in this idea of well, do they exist within us or are they separate from us? 
Personally, I think both is true. Mm -hmm. I think that they exist within us because I think they are our ancestors. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think they very much uh, have helped shape the consciousness of this planet and consequently our own consciousness and ability to uh, evolve in the way that we have and that we can. Mm -hmm. I think the more that we become aware of these principles in ourselves and in the nature around us, mm -hmm. um, the uh, more fully we can understand who we are and what is our, not just our genetic makeup, but the the, the our potential. Mm -hmm. um, Pure potentiality. Yeah. The Egyptians and the Egyptian pantheon is, is zoomorphic in nature, mm -hmm. but it's very much a nature-based uh, way of perceiving reality. Mm -hmm. The word for the gods of Egypt was the Netter or Nettert or Netteru, mm -hmm. which in the Coptic became Netcher and in English is nature. Mm -hmm. So these are the principles of nature as mm -hmm. recognized by the ancient ones of that civilization. Mm -hmm. And it was Thoth who was said to have brought the writing and the ability to communicate the language mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they did it so well that when anyone goes to Egypt and are confronted with these monuments and the walls of these temples you are affected they are still speaking 5,000 years later in ways that we can grok mm -hmm. in their presence mm -hmm. So would you say, I mean, it seems inherent in nature. Alchemy is inherent in nature. It is its way of being, is alchemical, well, <laughs> wouldn't that, you say? But yeah, I guess I would have to agree with you on that. Um, and we live by our capacity to process and transform the world around us, mm -hmm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. Or at least live in harmony with it. But mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, I think your put the way you put it is just so ordinary. You know, it's an extraordinary process, but it's anyone. We're all doing it. I guess is what I'm saying. It's and we're so all. We can't be realize, here if we're not doing it. In a and once regard. you realize what you're doing, then you get how you can do it more consciously. Mm-hmm then you can be so much more effective. Mm -hmm. Where do you step into being a co-creator? Well, you're always a co-creator. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter but of whether you're... But it's where you're being... Exactly. That's, it's like yes. we're... Every person living on this planet is part of the process of co-creating. Mm -hmm. Most of the people are asleep at the wheel yes. in terms of realizing that their hopes and desires are feeding into the collective yes. 
direction of where we are going yes yes as a species yes yes and once we fully realize that well then we become we have to become responsible yes to that knowledge yes 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 and in taking responsibility then we have to step up to the plate mm-hmm. as we, you know, circumnavigate that chasm that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what you talked about, the commitment to uh, to remembering, you know, so that you're you're committed to being aware. I think that's one of the most important things we do in Egypt is we go from monument to monument remembering Mm -hmm. ourselves, Mm -hmm. becoming whole Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And I think sacred sites on the, the planet definitely have that effect of waking us up and, and helping us with that remembering. That's what I've found. When I, Absolutely. Yeah. And any place where we find ourselves in awe. Mm-hmm. And, of course, any place on the planet could be that. But <laughs> there are just true. some that have like a vortex of energy that it is, it is by its nature, by its alchemy, um, a portal for that. I think that some places are more that than others. And, yes. and the thing with the temples in Egypt, there's a, um, an author named Jeremy Nadler that wrote a book I've called Temple of the Cosmos, mm-hmm. where he postulates that all of the temples of Egypt were part of one huge temple complex that reflects mm-hmm. back to our source in the stars, mm-hmm. our conscious presence here mm-hmm. on the planet. Mm-hmm. And... Um, by if that were true, or even if that wasn't true, <laughs> the the very nature, the intention of the temples puts mm-hmm. them in that uh, juncture between spirit and matter, mm-hmm. where they are built to create homes for spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's obvious. The intention is so obvious. I think I haven't been to Egypt yet, but it seems to me there is incredible intention with you know with the building of those. All well, of those. you really realize that when you get there. But I hope you come with me sometime. Well, I have so too. Here. I'm I'm dreaming it. I'm, progr- <laughs> I'm, I'm programming for it. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask. Um, is, is it possible? Are, are there? I was wondering, are there any principal deities that are present with us today, Nikki, who are guiding our conversation for healing and enlightenment? I mean, are you tuned uh, into that at all? Certainly, or? Thoth is is here very strongly. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting in front of my altar, and there's just such an array of deities. <laughs> And not only the Egyptian pantheon is represented there, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm kind of a universalist. Yes, I am too. I work with a number of uh, teachers, guides, um, or they work with me. I'm 
they've made their presence known, that they're available, I guess you could say. With our focus being on alchemical healing in the Egyptian mysteries, I would say, as I feel into it, of course, thought is primary, and uh, Anubis is also here very strongly, Mm -hmm. as is Isis, who Mm -hmm. is actually on the cover of alchemical healing. Mm -hmm. She's like the one of the great alchemists yes. in the you know human consciousness experiment, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like a cheerleader for all of us. That little voice that's always saying, "You can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go for it." Oh, that's wonderful. Our cheerleader mother. So, Nikki, could you talk about the alchemy of forgiveness and the role of forgiveness? and the alchemy of healing? Well, it's interesting. I was just reading, I'm I'm, uh, reading uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton and uh, Steve Behrman's manuscript for their new book coming out, Mm -hmm. Spontaneous Evolution, Mm -hmm. which is just, it's really terrific the way it describes where we are, how we got here, and where we need to go from here. Um, and they spoke about forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness and also cited a number of books, which is the first time I've realized that how many people have taken up the um, recognition and importance of forgiveness Mm -hmm. as a healing tool for for all of us Mm -hmm. and how important it is when I was first taught about it it was like the first thing I learned when I was studying healing because my first well after Reiki my first studies in in, uh, Huna and uh, the Ho'oponopono yes I use the Ho'oponopono forgiveness yeah I I teach that that's the first thing you learn Mm -hmm. And the reason is because if you forgive, you not only go back to before the giving of the hurt, but you also drop the burden that blocks the energy that carries you forward. Mm -hmm. So until you are able to forgive your constricting your your potential mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. And that potential is only fully open when you have forgiven fully. Mm-hmm. The way I have come to know and understand that within my own heart with forgiveness is that that there is some resonance within me that has attracted, that is somehow a part of having manifest that. Because we are co-creators. Well, Do you hear what I'm saying? Not a bl- I'm not talking blame or anything, but there is a um, what inside of my own heart still needs healing, so that I I can uh, you know my own resonance for attraction. Do you hear what I'm saying? I do, but I'm not sure I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think that. I think that linking forgiveness 
karma is beside the point. Mm-hmm. I think that regardless of whether we attracted a situation to ourselves or whether mm-hmm. it simply happened. Uh, now, I'm talking about more of something that inside of my own self that I need, like a shadow. You hear what I'm saying? How you integrate shadow tissue and come to own and integrate all aspects of yourself so that you... Well, the fact that anything that is conceivable or is human or part of the human foibles and the human condition is part of us. Mm -hmm. So there is nothing that's out there that isn't in here, Mm -hmm. if that's what you mean. Yes, and it's me coming to to more wholeness and to more healing within my own self where I have accepted all of my, you know, and that I have a choice what different aspects of myself I choose to act on or to... So are you equating forgiveness with acceptance? I suppose yes. I suppose yes. Self-acceptance of myself, all of myself, loving all of myself. Okay. And that I have a choice what I I live out in my life that here in 3D reality we have an experience of polarity so that we can have an experience right if we don't have you know if you don't have well, a contract we're going to have an experience of polarity regardless because we live in a dualistic yes. world a three-dimensional yes. reality yes yes so yes we have yes. to hold that within ourselves yes so all of the conflict. and not for me anyway i I have had, I've recognized that I judge that I have that potentiality inside of me so that I can have this human experience. You hear what I'm saying? Yes? I do. Okay. I hear what you're saying. So it's, it's just my, more, for me, forgiveness is about coming more to, like you were saying, the self-acceptance so that I can experience more of a wholeness with self-love. And I I think that um, forgiveness as a practice um, is useful and important and effective for many kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. And self-acceptance is certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this sounds like you could write, write a whole book about the different... You know, because I, I it possibly it's different for everyone. I you know think what I'm that the, what forgiveness person, is about for a person from from I our think talking. So. I mean, you know? I think we're splitting hairs a little okay. bit here. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I'm taking responsibility for that because <laughs> you know I, I kind of put the challenge out mm-hmm. when in fact. Uh, there, I, I think ultimately we're talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I certainly am open to deepening in my understanding of forgiveness because I think it's a, a, a lot of what is at the heart of uh, why we get ourselves into situations where we are moving more towards fear than towards love. You hear what I'm saying? I do. And the longer we hold those um, judgments and the 
uh, and guilt. And, I mean, forgiveness goes in two directions also. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so uh, there's being able to uh, receive as well as give. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there in alchemical healing, there is a chapter on forgiveness mm-hmm. and a process that's based in the form of Ho'oponopono. Mm-hmm. I learned back in the early '80s mm-hmm. that I've really never found um, another process that made me want to change the way I do that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's certainly very effective. Um, what is so heartening to me now mm-hmm. is the number of people who I work with that, when we come to that, have done so much of the work. Mm-hmm. Because it's been part of the community of growing spiritual consciousness for the past quarter century that I've been working in. Mm-hmm. And so now the people that come into the work are seem to be coming in at a different level mm-hmm. because they've done so much work. Mm-hmm. A lot of the groundwork has been laid. Yeah. So, it's very exciting. Yeah, it is very exciting. So um, I was hoping, uh, you know, we're at the end of our time. I can't believe it. I've hardly asked you any of the questions I have prepared. Um <laughs> Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So um, I was wondering if you, you know, you mentioned the Ho'oponopono process of forgiveness that you have in your alchemical healing. I was hoping that you could share some ritual of initiation for healing, you know, whatever you would like to share with us. I was especially thinking of something that would help to nourish and ground us more in our heart essence energy. about the heart breath? Okay. That sounds wonderful. How long do I have? You can take as long as you want. <laughs> okay. Um, because how I would develop it would be depend on the length of time. Yes, well, so you can take I, as long I just as don't know want. how much time we have. In you this. have as long as you want. Okay. Whatever you well, feel inspired you... to do. Whatever you feel inspired to do. Okay. People can stay with us as long as they feel to, or they can, you know, the oh, thing about pre-recorded is that they can stop it and come back later for it. Or I got so. it. Okay. Well, I'm just going to do um, a simple rite that would be perhaps an opening that you could use for self-healing or for assisting someone else or... Uh, a way uh, or as a practice mm-hmm. to ground and connect you and to uh, prepare you for just about anything. Okay. So let's just do that. That sounds perfect. So always in alchemical healing or any of the related subjects, we start with the heart because power that's not threaded through the heart can be dangerous. And so we always try to have this work move through the perception of the heart. So we start by asking you to um, quiet yourself, close your eyes, ground and center, and focus on your heart. 
bring your attention to your heart and find the eternal flame that lives within the sanctuary of your heart center. When you bring it into focus, feed it with love. Love is the fuel. So as you continue to pour love upon your heart flame, it grows. It intensifies. It brightens. It begins to radiate warmth and light. While you continue focusing on and feeding love to your heart flame, begin to breathe as though you're drawing from the very heart of the earth the vitality, the warmth, the intelligence, the nutrients. Inhale it from the heart of the earth up through the layer and strata of the earth. bringing it up all the way up through your body to your heart center where it mixes with the love you're pouring on your flame and then as you exhale feel that vitality and power move out in every direction through your body through every cell of your body, vitalizing, nourishing, enlightening. And as you continue pouring love upon your heart flame and breathing the earth breath, pulling up the vital life force from the heart of the earth to your heart. Your next in-breath, while you maintain what you've been doing so far, put your attention to the heart of the cosmos so that while you're breathing and inhaling from the heart of the earth, you're also inhaling from the heart of the sky breathing in the more rarefied stellar energies the energies of the stars of our solar system our planets pulling it in through your crown chakra while the power of the earth is coming up from below those energies come together in your heart hold your breath for a minute while they for a few seconds while they mingle with the love you're pouring on your heart and then as you exhale let the power of earth and sky move through your body extending your radiance
breathe a heart breath for a few breaths, feeling the effects of the alchemy of earth and sky energies coming together at your heart, how that affects your physical sensations, your spirit. Now hold your palms up, or your hands up with your palms facing forward. And on your next breath, deep, inhale deeply of earth and sky as you continue to pour love on your heart flame. Hold your breath for a few seconds as it all mingles in your heart. And now put your attention on your hands as you exhale and feel the power radiate from your heart and directly out so that it comes out through the palms of your hands. Your hands light up with it. Then on your next breath, inhale, bringing together the powers of earth and sky in your heart. And then as you exhale, focus on your fingertips as you breathe the power of the energies out through your hands. And then the next breath, as you focus on your hands, when you exhale, the empowerment is complete, and the energies will continue flowing out from the palms and the fingertips of your hands, like great rays of light, sunbeams. vibrating (laughs) so then I'll just ask you and your Mm -hmm. listeners to just pick some place that needs healing Mm. and direct this first blast of energy or maybe it's a person or a situation or an aspect of our ecology but just allow this newly awakened force of energy to move through you, not from you. That's an important distinction. Through you and out into the world, notice how it reaches where you direct it. Notice how it follows your intention and your direction. And yet itself, it is intelligent, an intelligent force. When you feel complete with this direction of the energy, simply blow on your hands, swipe them together. The energy will stop. It won't stop completely, but it won't be that rush. Mm-hmm. But if you want to reawaken it, simply breathe a couple of heart breaths. Mm-hmm. 
focus on your hands and there it will be infinite and always available mm. is that what you wanted oh that was so amazing thank you so much Excellent. that was My fantastic pleasure. what a gift what a gift hmm Oh, that was delicious. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> I've rather enjoyed myself. Oh, I'm so glad. So do you have anything you'd like to share with us before we close, Nikki? Well, I'm getting ready to run off to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And I'm still going to keep that going. So if anybody's interested in joining me, I hope that you will find me at my website and also um, you spoke about the books that I've written and I have a new work coming out this May mm-hmm. called Becoming an Oracle mm-hmm. it's a, a seven CD set with uh, Sounds True oh fantastic and I'm really excited about I'm it I'm excited about it too it's Everybody has wanted me to produce a work of my journeys, mm-hmm. and this one has 19 journeys oh, spanning 14 cultures mm-hmm. and uh, oracle traditions. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's really exciting. Oh, I'm really excited. So I thought I'd so I'm gonna put in. I'm going to put in my order. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'll probably have them sometime in April. Okay. I'm, I'm really excited about yes. it. Yes. Uh, oh, also, let people know about the uh, the Anubis Oracle. We'll be changing our uh, the the reading to a different spread mm-hmm. quite soon. Okay. Okay. Um, you, I think you mentioned in one of your emails to me that you've been to the Anubis Oracle, place. and that's why I contacted you. I was so impressed with the Anubis Oracle because I've done oracles for thirty five plus years, and I have to say, I was most impressed with your oracle. I don't know if it was because I feel a strong connection with the Egyptian pantheon as it works through me, and it's, I don't know, its maybe it's been preparing me, and there's a new part of the journey that's awakening in me as far as working with that pantheon. I don't know. But um, it certainly was very powerful and transformative for me, and that's why I took time to write a little um, uh, endorsement for people to, to uh, use it, to purchase it, and use it. I just I oh, thought thank it was you. Very, Is that on your website? Um, no, I, I sent you an email that I told you you could use for promoting uh, I will it. have to go find it yes. and make sure we post it. Yes. Thank yes. you for reminding me. But I will me. certainly be putting that when uh, when yeah. this is published in the Health Master Zine. I will certainly put that in there for okay. you, okay? Well, so. then please let people know to go to theanubisoracle.com okay. to get your free reading. Yes. And to learn more about Nikki, please visit her website at shamanicjourneys.com. That's shamanicjourneys.com. Have a beautiful day, everyone. A warm mahalo. Thanks for joining us. Thanks again, Nikki. I loved having your magical presence with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here. <laughs>